0: Well, let's see. Who do we have here today? Hello, my name is Carl Polichuk. Thank you so much for joining me on the kickoff show for Free Day Friday. As always, I'm looking for something new, something fun to do in the IT community. Recently, some folks have been contacting me for coaching. They want to hire me to help them with their businesses. That's all very cool, and I'm honored, but you got to know two things. First, I don't have a plan for coaching. Uh, I, I just don't have a clearly defined step one, step two, step three for you to go through. Second, many people at the small end of the SMB space can't afford the $250 an hour for advice. Uh, my intent with Free Day Friday is to give that advice in a small quantity for free. People who are too busy to attend will simply miss out. I'm sorry, but, you know, there's not much I can do about that. Someone on the borderline might get their question answered for free and never become a client, and that's okay, too. So today, a handful of people will get focused attention on the issues in their business. Everyone else on the call will get to listen in onto that conversation. And since many of us have the same challenges, uh, I hope that the program is useful for everyone. We start with a question that was emailed to me. After that, we'll take audience questions. If you want your question answered on the air, send an email to k-a-r-l-p, that's carl-p, at greatlittlebook.com and put Free Day Friday in the subject line. Uh, I want to point out that, that to our friends in Australia, New Zealand, the Philippines, and other Pacific islands that we're doing the show just for you. So, uh, you know, 3 o'clock uh, in the afternoon on a Thursday might be convenient for some Americans, but I'm working hard to make sure that the show is truly focused on folks in the Pacific, and it's not, in, you know, it's it's intended for your convenience. Uh, so often when I do my shows, they're at 1 o'clock in the morning in your time zone, so that's not very convenient. Uh, I have so many friends and supporters who haven't been able to listen to my programs because, you know, when I normally broadcast them, it's 9 a.m. on the Pacific Coast in Sacramento and, um, you know, middle of the night in the Pacific. So uh, I encourage you to tell your friends and neighbors and, um, you know, that there's a show going on in the morning for you on Fridays. Uh, all right, so just a few announcements before we jump in with both deep. First, I have a conference coming up called the SMB Online Conference. It's June 26th, 7th, 8th, uh, and it'll be online. So it's not in anywhere. It's not in any city. (laughs) Uh, Simply online. And um, uh, you can find out more about that at smbonlineconference.com. And uh, second, if you're a member of Cloud Services Roundtable, uh, you will be able to – get reduced pricing for the SMB online conference. That's only $9.95 a month. Uh, You can sign up for that at cloudservicesroundtable.com. And uh, my final announcement, third announcement, is that my friend Jeff Middleton is having a conference also in June in New Orleans. So if you haven't been to New Orleans or you haven't been to Jeff's conference before, you can check that out at sbsmigrations.com. Thank you uh, for your patience during this first show. I'm sure something will go wrong and we'll fix it and it'll be fine. The IT community has always been very forgiving of my blunders and I'm sure that today won't be any different. So now let's jump into it. Our first cu- question today comes from my friend Nigel and I, I'm sure that many of you know him. And he says, It's funny timing you sending this email. As just on the weekend, I was thinking I should email Carl and see if he'd be interested in doing a topic on his blog on the following. Question. As you have been through it, uh, through it and are many years beyond most of us, if you were to start over again, how would you grow your business again? That is, first hire a technician, second hire an admin person, third hire a technician, fourth hire a dispatcher, a uh, fifth person, perhaps a salesperson, sell only 100% managed services, right from the beginning, Set a limit of minimum five user networks, blah, blah, blah. I know I can glean lots of information on this from your blog, but I'd love to see something dedicated to it. I'm absolutely loving your SOP Friday. We're using a pile of those items in-house. Thanks for contributing to the community. Regards, Nigel. Well, thank you, obviously, Nigel. I appreciate that. Um, I do want to say that, um, you know, a lot of this stuff I I talk about it one topic at a time, and sometimes it's hard to kind of step back and say, all right, well, what would I do if I were to completely start over from scratch? And, um, you know, I I would say, you know, there's kind of an orderly process, and the first piece of it is to get the processes and procedures in place first the uh, the part that we talk about on you know Fridays uh, my SOP Friday on my blog um, really is where I would start that you have to figure out how you're going to do things that really defines your business I mean what what does your business do and um, you know that's an interesting question you always hear about the the 30 second elevator speech well you know 30 second elevator speech is what do you do You know, and you're talking to a total stranger who couldn't care less what you do, but you have to answer the question. So you have to think about that. What does your business do? And if you say that you answer it differently every time, well, you probably don't have as much focus on your your core business as you should. Um, Some people will say, well, I I maintain point-of-sale systems, or I provide IT services to dentists. Uh, something like that. But if you say, oh, I pretty much fix computers, and then the next time you say, I work on networks for small business, and the next time you say, well, I'm a managed service provider, um, you need a little more clarity. you got to figure out what you want to do. Uh, once you know what you want to do, it becomes easier to set processes and procedures. You should have a way that you set up a server. doesn't have to be my way. doesn't have to be somebody else's way, but there should be a Nigel way of setting up the computers. There should be a Nigel way of answering the phones, of hiring people, of firing people, of you know all the things that you need to do. You know when do you push patches and how often do you push patches and how do you how do you vet them to verify that uh, they're they're good to go before you send them out on the customers' machines. That sort of thing. Uh, so so the first thing that I would do would be to have processes and procedures in place. And you don't have to panic too much about that. It's the kind of thing that you can uh, you can put in place a little at a time as you go forward. Um, and so you know as as things progress, you keep fine tuning and fine tuning and fine tuning. Um, so you know it's not like you have to come out with a big book. Um, very often when you come out with all of your processes at once, many of them are not very uh, meaningful to you or your business right from the start so Um, You can work on them one at a time. Just make sure that you have a process to create processes. The second thing, and I blogged about this on several occasions, I would absolutely hire an admin. Many of us, we have a spouse who works in the business or we have a a son or daughter who works in the business, um, and, you know, we can hand some work over to them. The thing that an administrative assistant does for you is to take the most tedious, boring stuff that you don't want to do and take it off your plate. If you think about, you know, realistically, as a self-employed individual, that you work, say, 60 or 70 hours a week. And I know that nobody wants to work that, but many of us do when we start out. Um, You can't create hours in the middle of the day. You, You know, you just can't, you can't have, You know, we would all be more productive if we could create that 9 a.m. to noon time and and do it about three times. Um, But, you know, what you end up doing is working really hard all day and then you get around to like, oh, I have to call three clients back and I got to call this manufacturer and I have to RMA some equipment. I I, I got all this stuff and then I got to get bills out and, you know, I got to get the invoices out for the end of the year or the end of the month, um, whatever it might be. Um, that's all stuff that uh, it's, it's most productive during the middle of the day. So an administrative assistant allows you to be able to hand that work off to somebody else. So if you take the most boring piece of lining up, you know, the things that you've ordered with what you've received and handling RMAs and handling invoices and scheduling clients' monthly maintenances and, you know, all that, Truly administrative stuff, plus everything has to be filed. There's paperwork. Uh, Even if you really don't have any um, payroll, you've still got so much paperwork that comes through the office. Somebody has to open the mail every day. Somebody has to take the checks to the bank. Somebody has to apply credits properly, so forth and so on. Um, An administrative assistant can easily, easily take 10 or 20 hours off of your plate. And there's two things i do with that time. First of all, it's kind of like when when you start investing in stocks. I I personally think you ought to take a little of your profit off the table and stick it over in your retirement account and, and, uh, and not, you know, reinvest the whole thing. That's the same thing with saving time with an administrative assistant. Go from 70 hours to 50 hours. 50 hours is a very manageable, very realistic work week. Um, and if you can work 50 hours, you will find that those 50 hours will be far more productive if you're focused on what you do. So having that administrative assistant there dramatically improves um, your productivity at, at work, and, um, you know, in addition to, you know, having somebody else around the office to kind of bounce ideas off and whatever, um, just there's a whole layer of stuff that does not involve fixing computers It doesn't involve troubleshooting. It doesn't involve all the things that you love about being an IT consultant. So what the heck, you know, let somebody else uh, go do that on their schedule. Um, So uh, that would be the first thing is process. The second thing is hiring an administrative assistant. The third thing that I would do is get my tools, and that means a PSA system, uh You know, the front runners in our business are Autotask and ConnectWise. You know, there's just absolutely no question that, you know, pick pick one of those. I mean, you could also do Tiger Paw or, or some other uh, brand, but basically you want to pick one of those. And um, and then you would need to pick an RMM, a remote monitoring and management tool, and that would be Zenith, Kaseya, Level Platforms, something like that. Um so once you get those tools in place, you can now handle many, many more clients. Um, I, I'm a re, I'm a little um, shy about any tool that doesn't let you buy what you need for RMM in small quantities. You know, I, I really love the the idea that you buy exactly as many licenses as you need. Uh, you get a price break when you get over a certain number of licenses. Um, but, you know, I, I don't really like the model where you have to buy a thousand or ten thousand licenses. You know, if you've got if you're managing, you know, sixty desktops, you know, and it's just very difficult. Um, so so you get your PSA system and it's gonna take some work to get it set up the way you want it. Get your RMM tool, but now you can manage many, many more desktops. And so um, you know, that makes life much easier. So so once you've got that in place, then you can have the admin begin to do invoicing through the pSA system and so that's that takes a little bit of work there but now you're literally you've got a platform from which you can jump very, very high uh, once that's in place, especially if you sell good quality equipment and uh, you know you've you've got a good solid you know foundation of of systems in place, you, you install them right, you configure them right, you do all that, then, uh, you know, you're, you're ready to go. If you then, you know, the fourth thing I would do would be to hire that tech. So everybody's like, oh, when do I get to hire a tech? And they, and they somehow have this vision that the technician is, you know, they're, they're saving grace. That Finally, that technician is going to allow them to work a little bit less. And that's not entirely true. I mean, it's nice to have somebody to talk to, but realistically, uh, that tech should be very entry-level. Uh, I put off one of the great mistakes I made in growing my business was I put off hiring the first technician uh, for a long time because I thought that I had to hire somebody who was like me. I thought that I had to uh you know, hire somebody who was going to be really great on servers and was going to be able to learn really fast and was going to be able to just knock work out, you know, left and right. And um, the truth is, if you're really, really good at what you do and you know how to talk to a client without drooling all over yourself, um, you're very hard to replace. And so you're not going to have a lot of employees who are like you, Um, and you, you need to be realistic about hiring somebody who, you know, maybe your first, uh, employee, your first technician is somebody that you don't let them, uh, touch a computer. You only let them work remotely. Or you don't let them touch servers. You only let them work, work on workstations. Uh, and you show them the ropes. You tell them how things work in your company. This is how we answer the phone. This is how we configure antivirus. These are the, the, <clears throat> the ways that we back things up. Whatever it might be. Um, so uh, you need to you need to have somebody who's very entry level. That will also free up your time because now you can say, all right, so we got this new thing. A client wants three new desktops. Assign uh, it to the new guy, and and you get to take you know the morning and go do something else. So uh, just the way that the the administrative assistant was hired strategically so that you could, you know, go do something else, it's also the case that um, your first technician was hired strategically after you got your PSA, after you got your remote management and monitoring system in place, after you got your admin in place. So strategically what that person can do is you can throw them tickets, and you can literally, tickets come in and you just start tossing them over the fence, right? Okay, you get that one, you get that one, you get that one. Uh, you keep all the cool stuff for yourself. So you, you, you own the business, right? You get to do the fun stuff. You get to build the new servers. You get to configure the backups. You get to draw the diagrams. You get to do strategically, you know, all the cool, fun stuff. And you let the new person, um, you know, handle the boring installs, handle the antivirus crap, you know. All the stuff that you don't like to do, you just – um you know, you hand off to them, so that's pretty cool. Um, and you make sure that there's a very, very clear escalation policy. They they are not allowed to beat their head against the wall, you know, for whatever you pick. How much time? Um, half an hour, one hour, whatever. And it's very scary for many of us to to turn work over to somebody else and not be watching over their shoulder. But, um, you know, if you if you do it a little at a time, you know, you you're going to gradually show this person the way that you do business, and um, and it's probably going to be somebody who doesn't work on servers. It's probably going to be somebody who doesn't, you know, isn't thoroughly uh, versed in Active Directory or troubleshooting Exchange or, you know, backing up SQL or whatever. Um, it's going to be somebody who, you know, is just getting started in the business. Um, that has the advantage that they're they're also not going to be super expensive. Um So the fifth thing I would do would then be to hire another technician. So at this point, with the PSA and the RMM, you have the ability to manage a large number of desktops for a very small amount of labor. And to be honest, this is just me, but I would have those two technicians both be part-time. They would both be in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 hours a week, depending on how much work you need. And um have one start at 8 o'clock in the morning and, you know, maybe go home at uh, 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Have the other one start at 10 o'clock in the morning and go home at 6. And that way you've got a good swath of your day covered. You've got them both working together in the middle of the day. You can do lunches together. You can do projects. Um, but that also allows you the ability to Give more work to somebody who is a better employee, who learns faster, who is uh, you know better at a certain thing. Um, it may be that one of them turns out to be a really good employee and one not. Um, and then you know the, the standard rule is to to fire fire the first first time you know you should fire somebody is the first time the thought crosses your mind. You know uh, if somebody's really really a bad fit, uh, you need to move on, and that's a very difficult lesson to learn as well. Um, But then uh, uh, that second technician might also be a higher level technician. That might be somebody who can help you with servers. It might be somebody who is a little more qualified, uh, earns um, a higher hourly, and um, can relieve you from some of the additional work. Uh, In a perfect world, both of those technicians will work out. You'll have plenty of work for them. Um the you know one of the advantages of hiring people part time is that um you know you know that that their hours are going to go up and down depending on how much work you actually have in the system um and so you know, of course that means you've got to use your p s a to get that done um, and number six, I would then have the administrative assistant migrate into doing dispatch. you don't really need a dispatch function until you have a large number of clients and uh, you can't handle all the tickets. We have right in the neighborhood of a 1,000 desktops under management at our company, and um, I'm sure that we don't get more than three or four tickets a day, most of them completely unimportant. Um, you know, the systems are extremely, ma- you know, well-maintained and you know, it's usually users it's ads moves changes or users uh messed something up and now they gotta they gotta get some help to fix it. Um so um you know the uh you don't really need a dispatch when really uh you as the owner, the service manager the lead tech, <laughs> right? You're gonna just see everything that's coming in on the service board and you're going to assign it to one tech or the other as need be, um, and you're not really going to need somebody to do dispatch until you get bigger than that. Uh, the final topic would be, um, uh, I guess the final two topics are sales and then and then who, who would you focus on in terms of the size of the client. So in terms of sales, um, that's a really, a very difficult hurdle to jump Um Unless you have startup capital, it's really difficult to hire a dedicated salesperson. And the reason for that is that they need to have enough money to feed their family. And so um, I, I don't know what the average salesperson or even technician uh, earns in Australia, but let's just say that your goal is to pay them, compensate them $50,000, so to get, you know, $50,000 in, uh, commission plus salary, they're gonna have to sell $500,000 worth of something. So whether you give them 10% of gross or 30% of the profit or however you calculate it, it's in the neighborhood of more or less, uh, 10 times, um what they're earning is, is what they're going to have to perform at. So um, that, that's that's kind of difficult, right? Somebody's got to be able to come in, start making phone calls, build a list, make it happen, and um, so it's it's hard to get that salesperson. Um, if you have startup capital, if if you've got the ability to pay somebody for, you know, and I would have six months, I would have six months worth of salary, in the bank before I hire somebody to do sales. And I have to tell you, you can learn this lesson the easy way or the hard way, but you absolutely must get rid of a salesman who does not perform in a timely manner. Because what happens is we hire somebody and we like them. And they are supposed to make 100 phone calls in the morning and 100 phone calls in the afternoon, but they've got really great excuses of how they were working on marketing materials and they were – canvassing the neighborhood and getting to know the clients, and one day becomes another and another and another. And um, if you go to a big company that just showed up in your town with 10 employees, I guarantee that salesperson who just showed up there didn't spend one minute trying to figure out the processes and procedures and clients of, of that company. They started by calling people on the phone, making appointments, and going out to see them. Because you can pick up, they're going to pick up all the goodness of your company over time, but they have to do the sales in order to keep their job. And I know that that's, you know, it just sounds really rough, but believe me, I have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on salespeople who cannot sell, and you just get sucked into it. when you find someone who really, really does sell, man, you you got to compensate them well and you got to make them very, very happy. Um, but if you get somebody who who is not really good at it, you know, you got to set timelines. you got to have a 30, 60, 90-day plan that's written down with very specific goals about what you expect them to achieve. And if they don't achieve them, you must cut them loose. Um, labor is the single most expensive thing in your business. So um, if if they are not able to perform, you must cut them loose because otherwise they can bankrupt you. Um, and and that's a serious thing. I know, it, believe me, I understand it's much more serious in Australia than it is in the United States. In the United States, we can't go to jail for going bankrupt. And, and in Australia, I know that you can. And so um, I know that it's a very, very serious thing, and you, you must be very careful about it. So... I would plan, as somebody who's in business and starting to grow, plan on doing that sales yourself and and be very, very frugal with labor because it is very, very expensive. Um, And the final topic uh, that that Nigel asked about is, you know, would we sign clients and would we have a five-user minimum and all that? And I would say if I were starting over today, you know, my daughters talked to me about, hey, I should move to Los Angeles or San Diego or whatever. If I moved down there and I started a company today, um, even if it it took a while to get going, I would only, at this point, I would only have clients who signed contracts, and I would only have clients who signed managed service deals. Um, they're just, it, it, There just isn't any other way. To make the kind of serious recurring revenue that you need in order to stay in business in the 21st century, so um, that's just that's just me. That's my advice. Uh, I know we all get tempted by break-fix, but I have learned that I just don't need to pick up every dollar that I see on the sidewalk. Uh, sometimes break-fix is just it leads you astray. And that's not to say that I wouldn't do some project work, but I don't want to have you know a new business. You know the question was if I were going to start over today, I wouldn't want to ever have you know fifty people that I call my clients, each of whom calls me once a year to come in and deal with some antique piece of crap. Uh, you know i was I was checking my mailbox earlier today and it's at a company that um I set up their original Internet connection 15 years ago. And the guy was in there, and he was on the phone with AT&T Tech Support, and he was getting instructions on how to set up the new router that they shipped him. And he didn't understand anything that was going on. And I almost offered my services to help him, but I realized, you know what, <laughs> he, he's too cheap to – pay for the help that he needs. He's too cheap to have somebody maintain his systems. He's the kind of person that waits until something breaks, and then he calls somebody, and he wants them to be responsible for making everything right, and that is not who I want to build my business around. I want to build my business around people who uh, are willing to make an investment in their business, and they see technology as um, an investment and not simply a cost. So, um, I want to make sure that everything is going smoothly out there. So, if you have any uh, problems or concerns, please uh, go ahead and email me at P at greatlittlebook.com. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep wigging right along here. Um, I got another question uh, from Felix who says that uh, he says, I live and work in a regional center with a population of about 20,000. I've been operating an IT consulting business for almost 15 years, focusing on the SMB sector because there really isn't much else in this town. Coming from a software development background, I do a bit of database uh, development for some clients. Server systems I have been installing and supporting have been implemented with industry best practices and run mostly trouble-free. I provide a break-fix service at a very modest hourly rate. I have recently employed a young graduate and want to shift the business into an MSP model. We are currently defining our offering, uh, for example, levels one, two, three, and what services to include and how to set the price. When talking to clients, they don't see much point in paying me a fixed fee every month. I'm stu- struggling to find the right price point to attract and convert clients to switch to MSP and defining a service offering that is easy to understand and manage. Can you give me some guidance on how to define price versus services offered and making this attractive to clients? Well, without tooting my horn too much, Felix, I would say if you haven't read Managed Services in a Month, you should do that because uh, I literally walk through the process of how I converted my business to Managed Services. Um, the, uh, the The key thing with existing clients is that they need to be pushed into this because you've been so good at doing what you do that they literally, I, I can hear their words in your ear. They, they are saying the words, I already get great tech support. Why do I need something else? Right? Why do I need to pay for that when I'm already paying for this? I've already got something that's great. Um and so the strategy for those people is, uh, and I, I go through that in managed services a month and in service agreements for SMB consultants in both places. I discuss, um, how you, you know, come up with your pricing plan. And, and for me, I create an Excel spreadsheet that says, okay, how many servers and how many workstations. Most clients, it's, you know, one or two servers. And then, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 50, you know, 20, however many workstations, and you come up with this this matrix of how many servers, how many workstations, and you look at all of your clients, and then you literally, you go to QuickBooks, and you say, okay, let's look at, you know, client number A, uh, how much did they spend on hourly labor last year? So one client is going to be $1,000, one is going to be 10000 one's going to be 20,000 one's going to be 30,000 okay so then you need to figure out kind of shift play with that excel spreadsheet and again I've got a sample of the excel spreadsheet is is with the service grant book um, you know how how many hours of labor did they buy given the setup that they have and so you plug in a price and you say well let's see what happens if i charge $300 a server and $50 a workstation or $400 a server and $35 a workstation or $600 a server and $95 a workstation and whatever it might be. And uh, what you're going to find is that, you know, on the various ways that you do it, some people will pay more, some will pay less. And so the place to begin building that contract is basically the, the same as where they were. Because what you want to do is be able to say, look, what happened before is I waited until something broke and then we fixed it, right? Um, and that's not the way it should be. Uh, you, you get regular oil changes on your car. You get regular tune-ups. You you rotate the tires. You check the oil, right? You do all of these things so that you don't have to replace your engine before its, it's you know, day has come. Uh, and it's the same thing with, you know, your furnace, and it's the same thing with lots of stuff in your life. So we're going to do it with your computers. And and what happens is, let's say that it's $50 per workstation per month, okay? So what that covers is all of the labor to keep it running. So um, that's $600 a year. And if you look, you know, if you get somebody who's got five workstations, chances are pretty good that they paid, at least $3,000 in labor on the workstations in the last 12 months, right? And then if you look at the server and you do, again, I'm assuming you do a monthly maintenance. So you do a monthly maintenance, okay? Well, there's an hour of labor to check the logs and verify that the antivirus is working and that everything is up to date and all the patches, fixes, and updates are in place and uh, the backup can be restored properly, right? You 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 do all that stuff. You go through my, you know, the 68-point checklist, right? And if you haven't seen that, just send an email to checklist at greatlittlebook.com, and it'll bounce back with the 68-point checklist. Um, but, you know, basically, you're going to go through, you make sure they have enough disk space and that there's no problems in the error logs and that nobody's trying to break into the firewall and whatever. Um, so you go through that list and then say, okay, so you're spending at least, uh, you know, a couple hours a month on stuff related to the server, whether it's Exchange or SQL or small business server, monthly maintenance, whatever, um, right? So, so you just go to them and you say, look, here's the deal. You paid, you know, and let's just say $10,000 for tech support last year, and under the new contract, it's going to be whatever. It's either going to be 9 or it's going to be 10 or it's going to be 11. It's in the neighborhood. And and you say, this is just the way it is, right? And then we have different plans. You can have a plan that doesn't cover this, doesn't cover that, whatever, but you're going to get a bill. Um, You did note that you have a very modest fee. Most people, if you haven't raised your rates in five years, by all means you need to raise your rate. Uh, Most people in our business don't raise their rates frequently enough. Um, If you look and see the rates being charged by, the office supply store, and I don't know if you have a Best Buy in your town, but, you know, there are competitors out there. Look at what Dell wants to charge. Look at what Ingram Micro wants to charge. Look at what these different companies want to charge in your space. Um, If your client isn't going to you, they need to go to somebody else. What would that cost them? And, um, you know, you can say, well, first of all, the easiest way to raise your rates is say, you know, I'm going to go up to, you know, let's say you're going to go up to $150 an hour. But you can tell them, hey, you know what, you get a 10% discount because you signed a contract. So now you're at 135 So instead of charging $120, i am going to charge $135. Um, and you get that discount because you're such a nice person and such a loyal customer. Um, and And, you know, that's how I would swing them over. I would also personally, I take the approach that you're going to draw a line at some point, and everybody has to sign a deal. So they either sign the deal at, you know, platinum, gold, or silver. Um, if they if they don't sign any of those, it's a it's a very very expensive adventure. So you say, you know what? If you don't have a contract, it's $250 an hour. If you do have a contract. Uh, then you get our, our standard good guy rate, uh, minus the 10% for being a, a good customer, um, brings you all the way down to 135. Um, so, uh, that's what I would do with your existing customers. New customers, I think you need to focus on people who've got five to ten desktops. Um, I just had a discussion yesterday with somebody that, you know, their, their bread and butter business is selling ridiculously expensive uh, copy machines and scanners and, um, you know, network printers, and their core clients are the 10 user offices that are out there. Um, you know, it's it's not the case that just because an office is small that they don't have any money. Um, there are small offices that have a lot of money to spend, and there are offices that are um, small and don't have any money to spend. So you just need to find the offices that have lots of money to spend and give them your attention. So that's what I would say about that. Alrighty, then, so um, we are coming up to uh, let's see, I guess we got about ten or fifteen minutes left. So the question is, is anybody out there that wants to ask a question? Um, and if you if you are, uh, please raise your hand otherwise i just have to start making stuff up uh, and asking answering the questions i think you have any hands out there going once going twice i'll leave a ta- i'll even take a hand from the united states if i have to <laughs> righty then um so you know, I talked about uh, um, some of the, the things about getting started and, and making the migration to, to managed services. Um, I believe that if you were starting today, you would probably not, you know, I like think about somebody who's 18, 19, 20 years old. They're still setting up a business for the first time. Uh, you know, they're getting out of school, looking around, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, they're probably not going to set up a break-fix business. That's what we did, 10, 15, 20 years ago when we uh, started our businesses. But I have to say that if uh, you know if you were young today, you would go get a remote tool. You you know even if it's just a freebie tool that you found someplace, um, with the ability to remote into people's systems, you would you would simply not offer hourly labor. You would sign people up and say, look. You can buy ten hours, you can buy twenty hours um, you can you can pay by the month. Uh, we have lots and lots of options. What we don't have is an option where um, you have no relationship with me and you somehow think I'm just going to show up and fix your stuff. Um, that model just doesn't make sense anymore, especially with the tools that we have. Um, and so the the tools are becoming very cheap. Both Connectwise and Autotask have a tool that's available for a small monthly fee on a, a subscription basis. And, um, you know, it's that's the kind of thing that, you know, I just expect everybody to be able to go out there and, um, and get. So when you start up your business, I think more and more what you're going to see is that that's exactly what people do, is um, that they go get those tools and now they suddenly have the capacity to serve many, many clients. And so they're not going to be, um, you know, starting out as we did uh, doing break-fix stuff. Um, the other thing is that machines just don't break much anymore. So, um, you know, that's that's a piece of it. It's also the case that, you know, look at your cell phone. You know, your cell phone is the model for the for the economy of the future. First of all, the cell phone is essentially free, right? You might pay a couple hundred bucks for it. But a piece of hardware is the, the, the initial investment. And then there's a low monthly fee. Oh, you know, my cell phone, you know, it's only $40 a month. But you know what? I want that data plan, which turns out my data plan is $60 a month. And then I want to be able to create a hotspot, so that's $20 a month. i got to have unlimited texting. That's only 5 bucks a month. I need the insurance. That's 5 bucks a month, right? But da ba da It doesn't take very long before I've got three lines and my phone bill is $300 a month. And that is the way people are buying services. That's the way people expect it in the future. I think you're going to have fewer and fewer clients that expect that uh, they're going to only pay for stuff when it breaks. Uh, It's much more likely the case that they're going to say, well, I'm going to be on the plan. Uh, And with hardware as a service, it might be the case that the plan includes their desktop, their router, their firewall, their switch, all that other kind of stuff. So it, it may just literally be the case that the plan uh, is going to include all kinds of, of little goodies. Um, now I'm not a big fan of having lots and lots of little add-ons, but I got to tell you, if you went to all of your clients, you said, "Okay, what do you want to pay?" Because I've got a list of things here. You can tick off so much a month for um an exchange mailbox so month a month so much a month for a gig of storage so month uh, you know so much for antivirus spam filtering you know tick 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 you want remote management okay that's a little this of this um, and you can you can develop a model around that but um, it's all going to be monthly payments and they're going to go tick 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 and increase their own bill every month and it won't take very long before it gets up to Um, you know, what you were going to charge them anyway. Uh, It's quite interesting to me that when we made the move to doing our Cloud 5 pack, that the price came in at about $50 per desktop. Now, um, we don't divide the Cloud 5 pack, so it's $249 a month for five users, but a lot of people have three or four users. And so their price per desktop is right around what we charge as a managed service client. I think we're currently at $65 a month for a managed service desktop um, if you're not on the cloud five pack. Um, And so it's it's right in that neighborhood, and that includes the whole shebang, antivirus, spam filtering, remote monitoring, and so forth. So, um, you know, it's just kind of interesting to me that they're both in that same time frame. So anyway, that's, that's what I would do if I were going to start in the business today. Well, I don't see any other hands, so I'll, I'll wait and see if anybody raises their hand. But in the meantime, um, I hope that this was a worthwhile adventure. As always, I really appreciate your feedback, and that includes feedback on the registration process, how the show went, and everything else. Uh, just email Carl P at greatlittlebook dot com, and if there are no other questions, then this will conclude our first ever Free Day Friday broadcast for March sixteenth. I hope that you have a great St Patrick's Day weekend, and I will see you next month. And let me verify with the calendar, but I believe it is uh, April twentieth is the third friday of the month so uh the um april 20th we will do the next free day friday and so i will see you next month for free day friday thanks for tuning in